0: I uh, prepared a message, not uh, very, um, uh, how would you call it? Um, a topical message is what I've created, okay? Uh, and, and, and when I did, I was, I was just always think about Christians as we say we're Christ-like. And uh, one of the things when I was thinking about this and, and how I wanted to go, um, I have a question for you. When you think of kindness, when you think of kindness, what comes to mind? I mean, is it saying hello to the homeless guy walking down the street? Or maybe just casting a smile out at someone? Or maybe if someone's on the side of the road when you leave church today and they're changing their tire, you stop and help them change their tire. Or maybe... Here's the classic one, helping uh, little old men like Daryl across the street. You know, but whatever, (laughs) he knows I love him. Um, Whatever you think about this word kindness, whatever you think about it, it's most likely includes a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. You know, whenever, when, when, when you're kind, others, they'll experience that. They'll experience that warmth, whether they realize it or not. And here's what I think is really cool. Here's what I think is really cool. When they are experiencing it, or when we're experiencing that little warm, fuzzy feeling, whether you know it or not, you're experiencing a character of God. And so what's so cool about that is, you know, true kindness is supernatural, Supernatural is true kindness. In Galatians chapter 5, let's look at it. It says the the spirit is produced. He says, but the spirit of the, I'm sorry, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It's a supernaturally generous orientation of our heart. It's um, toward, this is toward other people and you know i think maybe paul was saying uh when he wrote to the church maybe they were um i kind of get the implication here that they haven't yet turned to him when when i read this Uh, and maybe they're still his enemy you know and scripture tells us that if you're not with god you're uh against him (laughs) and so it's pretty cut and dry right there uh when, when Paul laid out his case for the church in Corinth in Second Corinthians, uh, we find that he was trying to let them know, I'm a true apostle. I am changed. Remember when he was Saul, he was putting people in jail. I mean, they even have, you know, they say he possibly killed people, you know. Uh, we know that Stephen was stoned, but we know that he was after Christians because they were wrong about what they thought about who God was. And he was putting them in prison. He was putting them in jail, and he was having to explain to his partners, his friends, his disciples that, "Hey, I'm different. I've changed." And he had to. He 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 went into detail. If you read uh, the first thirteen verses of chapter, I'm sorry, of Second Corinthians chapter six, I don't have it. Maybe you can look at that later. But he was explaining in detail all the trials and all the situations uh, that he had endured for the sake of the gospel. The inner spiritual life God granted him despite this suffering and the God produced the spiritual fruit in his life. I mean, think about it. Surprisingly, kindness made his list of spiritual fruit. Kindness. Um, and, I, and I believe Paul was just kind of saying, hey, you want proof? You want proof I'm an apostle? I'm kind. I'm kind. You know, when when, when the... When the kindness and love of God, our, our, our Savior, appears, it, it, he, he saved us, right? Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Look what it says in, in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says this. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared... He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You know, we are in charge of our regeneration, you know. We are in charge of that. It's up to us to uh, grow in God. And, you know, what, how, how, how did uh, kindness of God appear? To us. Through Jesus Christ. Right? Through, through our Lord and Savior, the kindness of God appeared. And see, that's the greatest, the most complete picture of kindness that we could ever see, that we could ever know. God saw a whole lot of hurting people, broken people, people in despair. I mean, I'm sure some of us here today are broken or hurting or in despair. But know that God loves you anyway. Know that he wants us to show that kind of love to others. I mean, God saw people with no hope of breaking free from this pain and suffering. And so what did he do? He sent his son. He sent his son that we could be rescued. I mean, have you ever been in need? I mean, literally, physically of needing rescued? Like you fell overboard and you don't have a life jacket and you can't swim. I know most of you probably can swim, right, Belinda? (laughs) I'm just picking on my sister. Uh, But, you know, being rescued is something that we would definitely want to have happen if we were in need, right? And we are all in need of that. There wasn't uh, any logical reason for him to do that. I mean, we, were, uh, we did not deserve his kindness. We really brought suffering upon ourselves. When you look at Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, I mean, it's our fault. And I've, I've shared with you before, you know, it, this sin just comes into the world. I, I, my favorite part of First Baptist Church is our preschool. I mean, I can go over there when I'm feeling heartbroken and down and distraught and go over there and play with a four-year-old. Man, life's good. You know, they keep things real, and, um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but in any case, I love our children. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You know, sin's just born into us. I've been over there, and, and I've watched them just bite each other, and I know they didn't see that from you at home, right, Lonnie? <laughs> I mean, maybe they saw some of you doing it, but, you know, they didn't probably learn this at home. It's just natural. Uh, You have what I want, and I want it, and so I'm going to take it, or I'm going to bite you to get it. We're born into sin, and we need rescued, amen? Right. Thankfully, God didn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated. And, you know, I believe sometimes we are lacking kindness because we're looking at others, and we're going, well, they don't deserve for me to be kind to them. We say that. We say they don't deserve for me to be kind to them. You know what they've done to me? You know what it's cost me? We do that. That's not the kindness the Bible is talking about. Do you understand that? Why we didn't deserve this kindness? Romans 3, I'm sorry, Titus 3, verse 3, I don't have it on the screen, but here's an explanation. At the time we, too, were foolish, it says. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to all kinds of passions and pleasures. Oh, thank you enslaved. I mean, what does that word say? Captured. I mean, nothing you can do about it. Enslaved means you're just nothing you can do. You're stuck. And so you don't want to go to the nursery. That's what sin does to us, isn't it? That's what sin does to us. It's like, like we're a prisoner, like we're shackled, like we're in a dungeon and can't do anything about it. There's just no way out. There's just no hope. Our disobedience, our desire to do things our own way rather than God's way. That's what stood between us and the freedom. And one of the things I'm learning in, in uh, biblical counseling classes that I'm taking is that we all have a fleshly living pattern. And what, that, what they're saying is, as in counseling, that every time, anything and everything that we do that is not dependent or leaning on God it's a selfly living pattern. You're trying to do life without him. And, and, and that's a, a, one of the things that we, we try to help people understand. And I know that it's a struggle for all of us. You know, we're deceived by the things of the world. You know, the world says that you're happy because you have nice clothes. The world says that you're happy because you got a few cars in the driveway. The world says that you're happy when you have the American dream, all that you can have. And all that you can endure. Popularity. This is what the world says brings happiness. And what the world says. But it's deceiving. You know we're kind of captive to the lust of our flesh. If you think about it. But when we accept the truth. When we accept the truth. The truth. The true life that comes only through Jesus Christ. What happens? The chains that are bounding. That are keeping us captive, that have us enslaved or what? They're broken. And we're no longer uh, chained or bound. We have been set free. And, you know, we have to live that way, folks. You know, uh, I, I I believe truly that it's up to us to, to wake up each morning and go, I'm new today. I'm, I, I, I know yesterday I jacked everything up, but today, because of Christ... I'm new and I'm going to identify myself with that newness and I'm going to be kind to those around me, to all those around me. You know, this is what's funny. God knew what we needed even before we ever asked for it. That's what kindness is. The ability to recognize what others need above yourself, <laughs> that's what kindness is? Take steps to meet those others' needs. Kindness to others. So it's kind of underrated the word kindness. If you think about it, uh, um, we we equate it with being nice or pleasant, or you know, th- though it's mainly about maybe smiling or getting along with someone, not ruffling their feathers. We know that's how they are. Don't ruffle their feathers. And unfortunately, that's one of the things when I find out, I'm really ready to ruffle their feathers. Um, that's a struggle of mine, I know. But, but it seems a little mundane a virtue if you, if you think about it. Uh, um, but the Bible represents a very different and compelling portrait of kindness. It's inter- interesting. You know the story of Ruth, right? The, the, the book of the Bible that's right after Judges. Okay, it's four chapters. This is your homework. Read the book of Ruth when you go home because it displays it displays such kindness through uh, people's lives. You know, think about it. Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, they were experiencing some pretty rough times. Both their husbands had died, um, which spelled struggle since uh, there, there were few work options for women in their day. In that day and time, whenever a, a woman became a widow, unless her husband that passed away had a brother that could take her into the family, she was just pretty much poverty-stricken immediately. Immediately, she had struggle. And uh, on, on top of that, they, were, they had moved back to Naomi's hometown. You know why you might not think that's not a bad deal. Uh, it, it was more than a decade since Naomi had lived there And I'm sure the people were probably wondering, well, why did she leave? Where did she go? I mean, she and her husband had moved away from their family and friends to live in Moab. Okay, the Dead Sea. They have the Dead Sea. This is north. Okay, this is north. That's north. But anyway, this is north. Okay, the Dead Sea. On the left is, on the east side is uh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, the promised land. And on the right side is Moab, not the promised land these people over there were losers they were not worthy of god's kindness in the eyes of those on the other side of the dead sea and see uh they were actually living in a enemy nation when they when they left their their sons ended up marrying moabite women which were in not the promised land and now naomi had brought one of them back with her And not exactly something the neighbors were celebrating, if you think about it. Um, Things must have seemed pretty desperate for these women. But you know, here's the thing. Here's how God takes care of us. You think about it. Thankfully, they went home, they went back, and it was harvest season. Hebrew law demanded that if you were a farmer, that you leave a little bit in the field for the poverty stricken, for the poor. That was the law. That's what they knew. That's what they practiced. So Ruth went and found the field and began to work hard. And so Boaz, the guy who owned the field, the owner, he arrived on the scene and he asked who she was. He said, who who is that over there? He actually knew. He had already heard about Ruth, uh, about uh, she had had moved there with her mother-in-law and taking care of her. And so so, when his workers uh, told him that the, who the woman was, he says, Make sure she has enough grain. Give her plenty. Make sure she's protected too. Don't let anyone no bring harm to her. That's what Boaz said. He says, You know what? I, he actually went and invited her to come have food with his workers. He invited her to, to uh, rest and, and, and relax in his company. I think Ruth was overwhelmed. I think she was overwhelmed by the kindness of Boaz. I mean, she, was ex- she wasn't expecting anything from him. She wasn't expecting anything from anyone. Yet, for some reason, this man, he showed her blessings. He showed her kindness. Now, think about it this. Some of you, I know, probably might be a farmer in here or an ex-farmer, if you're lucky. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and we love our farmers. But, you know, overseeing... His workers, Boaz was probably a pretty busy man. A lot goes on on a farm. I don't know if you know a lot about farming and I surely don't, but I've talked to some of my friends that do and there's there's just never a time where we can just sit and relax. There's a lot of work to be done. But here's the thing. Boaz, the owner of the farm was not too busy to see the needs of a woman that wasn't even supposed to be there. He was not too busy To find out and recognize Ruth's needs. And here's here's the thing that makes me struggle. Is how often do we fail to show others kindness simply because we're too busy to notice them? Simply because we're too busy. I mean, why are we so in a hurry all the time? It's just the way of America, it seems. You can go to guatemala or go to a third world country and literally time slows down it's amazing how fast we go through life and and, and we miss so many opportunities and so here's the challenge i have three challenges for you uh this morning uh, if you want to write these down ruth and naomi's needs were mainly physical their needs they needed food that's what they needed they needed food so this is the challenge. Spend this week looking for what are some other needs people have. Spend this week looking for what are some others needs that some other needs that people have. Number one. Number two. This week keep your eyes and ears maybe open at school. Maybe there. maybe you have friends who are struggling. Maybe in your workplace you have a Coworker that's struggling here's the, here's the challenge think of ways think of some ways that you can show them kindness ask God to make you more sensitive to the needs of others that's a challenge isn't it make us more sensitive to the needs of others it's kind of a scary thing to ask for Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36 says, Be kind to our enemies, (laughs) but love your enemies, Wow! and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father was merciful. I mean, it's pretty plain to 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 do nice. It's it's pretty painless to do nice things for people that we get along with, right? There's no effort on our part. But when it comes to those who get on our nerves, or those who are just downright mean, showing kindness typically isn't our first response, isn't it? I mean, some of you, I don't want to be kind to. I'm kidding, but you understand what I'm saying. There are people that we come in contact with probably on a daily basis that we say they don't deserve kindness. I'm the judge. Careful. Be very careful. What? You know, but that's the type of kindness that Jesus was talking about in these verses. It doesn't just specifically say people who are nice to you. Others, even those that we don't want to be nice to, you know it must seem it must have seemed pretty illogical uh, to those that he was teaching. I mean, and it was think about it, love your enemy, love your enemy just doesn't make sense, even today. Then again, neither does god's kindness, I mean, which was the point Jesus was trying to make. You know, through, through the teaching, Jesus was also pointing out that true kindness is impossible unless God does some work in our hearts. This is, this is key, folks. Unless God does some work in our hearts, it will probably seem impossible to do. But remember that the next time that you have to deal with someone you don't like. I ask that you remember that. You know, showing them kindness may seem completely unrealistic, but with God, what? All things are possible. All things are possible with God. And here's the, he never expects us to do this alone. You know, God doesn't leave us abandoned to say, hey, you got it, go be kind, even to that guy that's not kind to you. That change is going gonna, is gonna to show you how to do it. Show some kindness. Now, I don't know about you, and I, I shared this in the first service, but when I go and I hear other people preach, when I hear other people speak, no matter who they are, whenever I hear Scripture read by someone else, I like to close my eyes. I just like to close my eyes and kind of imagine knowing what I know about the Bible and, and just try to imagine where, why, what was going on, how it was happening. So I invite you, if you want to, just to close your eyes and listen to these words in in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And this shows some kindness. It says, it tells us this. So, as for those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should. Behold, all all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So, as you go throughout your day, remember that since you have been chosen by Christ, think about that. You've been chosen. And, and, and here's what I know. The Bible says that all people are called. All people are called. Romans ten thirteen. it says whoever for whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved so it's for all people but here's the not all people are listening not all people have their hearts in tune to what god might have for them and so put on your heart of compassion and kindness and here's this is carrying around anger and malice or hate and covering up Covering it up with a coat of kindness is not biblical kindness. You know, carrying that around and just, mm, yeah. You know, old Dr. Long, I love him. But, you know, he says, sometimes, son, you just got to look at people and nod and smile. That's covering it up. I mean, I'm joking and picking on Dr. Long. But you think about it. How often are we doing that? And not being sincere. Biblical kindness replaces those things. I mean, it is produced by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Our kindness reflects the heart of our Father. Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's easy for Preston, and I'm not a very smart person. But I can understand, God forgave me. And I remember what I did. But I remember who I am also. Perfect, righteous, holy, all because of the cross, all because of the empty tomb. Nothing to do with what I have done because I have jacked it up. But God showed me kindness, He showed me love. Kindness is no small thing, it yields marvelous fruit both in our lives and in those that we encounter, those that we show kindness to, those that we are around. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one. Write this one down. Write this one down. Meditate on it. Read it. It says, Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Let me read that again. Proverbs 21:21 21, 21, it says, "Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, honor. we're all looking. We're all looking. What have we found? So when we open ourselves to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, when we ask him to produce in us kind hearts that will overflow kind lips, this is our challenge today. This is what I ask of you. Be kind. Even when it's not the popular thing to be. Because that's when people will go, they're different. They're not like everyone else. That's when we show people Christ. Because I truly believe if someone comes up and goes, oh, you're a Christian? You're not doing a very good job at it. They should just know. Copy? Okay, good. Let me pray. Lord God, we love you. Father, we thank you, Father, for loving us. And Lord God, continue to use us to glorify your kingdom. Thank you for using First Baptist Church in LaBelle, Florida for 107 years. Lord God, I know that you're going to use this church for many, many, many years to come. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Continue to use us, Lord God, to be kind to our community. No matter what we think, remind us. That because of your kindness, we're going to display that to those around us. We love you. Thank you for each person that's here. Continue to use us to glorify your kingdom and not ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.